You're listening to New Life Church in Richmond Hill, Georgia. So, um, yeah, we're going to a new series of messages this morning um, called Unlikely Heroes, and this is going to carry us all the way through the end of the month, um, and it, it'll coincide at the end with our Superhero Sunday. It kind of, as you kind of see, it's got that that type of, of theme to it. Um, and uh, we're going to look, it's really a series just about uh, walking walking through the Bible and looking at the lives of individuals who faced challenges and had to learn to trust God, right? Because isn't that where we're all at? How many of you guys face challenges, right, each and every day? There's, there's challenges that you come up against, challenges that you face, and it really is this kind of this 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 thing of learning to trust God through these challenges and sometimes just reminding yourself, okay, God, you brought me through, you know, before, and I, I need you to do it again. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at uh, a story today. Now, before we get there, um, I always I like to think about, about things in the past where, where I've come from, from growing up, and we played this game in the car, and we've done it, with, actually, me and Rain have done this with our boys. We have played the game I Spy. Anybody play I Spy? How does it go? I spy with my little eye something that is red, right? Something that is blue. So, you know, and, that, and uh, that's just kind of when, when the road trips got long and the kids' patience got short and, and their attention span, and uh, you know, like, I'm bored. How long is it? You know, okay, so we'd have to figure out games to, to keep us from pulling the car apart, right? And so uh, we're riding down the road, we're, we're playing these games, and I spy, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to look, as, as dad, I'm, you know, I'm trying to drive too, but I'm trying to play, I'm trying to be a good sport, so I'm always trying to find stuff. And usually with the game, right, most of the time you are seeing something that most everybody else isn't, right? Isn't that, that kind of the, the premise of the game, that you're seeing something that most everybody else isn't? But it's not that they can't, they just don't, Right? That, that most, of, most of the time you're seeing things that people can see, they just haven't seen. And, and so with that being said, I, I think that's a, a great kind of place to jump off into this story uh, in Numbers today. Numbers chapter 13 is where we're going. And um, I love the story of this, this, this first character we're going to look at. Um, his name is Caleb. And anybody ever, ever, ever heard of Caleb, you know? How many, how many of you have any Calebs in your family? You know, maybe you're a Caleb, you know. Uh, no Calebs in here today. Okay, all right, so maybe the second service. But uh, today uh, we want to look at the life of, of Caleb, or really the story that, that includes Caleb and a lot of other people in the story. But let's go to Numbers chapter 13, and um, we're picking up in this story um, where, well, verse 1, it says this. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. Now, the land of Canaan, where they're going, is the promised land. It's what God says, Hey, this is where I'm taking you. I am bringing you out of Egypt. Um, they have all been slaves for a very long time in Egypt. And so God is bringing them out of Egypt, and he's taking them to the promised land, right? A land that God has promised to give them, a land that... Um, is a land that is going to be their own. It'll be a land where they can be have put down roots and have safety. And so the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. 
from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one, a chief among them, somebody who is, maybe it wasn't the actual leader of the tribe, but someone who's strong enough that can under, undertake the journey and undertake the task. And so Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, all of the men who were heads of the people of Israel. We're going to skip down to verse 17. And it says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And this is what he told them. This is his instructions. He said, There are certain things that you're looking for, and I want you to bring back a specific report on all these categories. He says, well, I want you to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said to them, Go into the Negev and go into the hill country. So the Negev is a region of that is kind of where it transitions from being hill country into uh, kind of a desert place. And so the Negev is, is, that, is that transition point where it stops being hill country into more of a, uh, a wilderness, uh, a desert place. And, and so about 20 miles north of that, the Negev is where you're going to find Jerusalem in the hill country, okay? And so this is kind of, kind of what he's saying. He says, go up into the Negev and into the hill country and see what the land is, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, or whether the land is rich or poor, or whether there are trees or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. All right, so Moses had given them a specific task, and there were certain categories that they had to report back with what they saw. And so... Uh, verse 25, and it says, And at the end of the 40 days, so they, they spent 40 days spying out the land. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. It means, which really means that there is, is uh, there, there's some sustenance there, right? It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Melekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb... All right, this is where we get this guy, Caleb, right? And Caleb, he is, he is a representative of the tribe of Judah, okay? So if you, does that ring any bells, the tribe of Judah, all right? So he is the representative of the tribe of Judah. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. And then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we had gone out to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, and who come from the Nephilim. And we, this, I want you to catch this now, this is, this, is, this is what they said, we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them, right? And so you've got this guy, Caleb, who basically he's the only one. 
him and another guy, but we don't see Joshua right at first saying anything. We see Caleb is the one that speaks up. Uh, Joshua will actually stand with him later, but you, you see right here that Caleb is the one, the first one to speak up. He says, listen, we can do this, guys. We can take this land. We can go and overcome it. We can take it. Uh, let's go do it now. We got to go do this now. And what you got to understand about Caleb, it will give you a little bit about Caleb, Caleb's background. Caleb was born in Egypt, right? He was born in Egypt, so he was born into slavery. Um, and Caleb's name, I want to look at Caleb's name. I'm always a sucker for names and, and what names mean because really uh, names kind of um, are, are a little bit of a representative of who that person was. So if you look at Caleb's name, uh, his name in um, the Hebrew is translated as Caleb. And so it means dog, right? <laughs> Got any Caleb's in here now, right? Uh, you know, how many, how many dogs in here, right? Some of you guys are Georgia fans. Y'all, yeah, there you go. All right, you got a good win yesterday, right? So, uh, so, so he, his, basically his, his name means dog. Um, probably not great uh, at that time. Uh, you can actually uh, take this a few steps farther, and this dog um, actually meant... Um, it was kind of a euphemism for someone being a prostitute. And so uh, Caleb is, uh, it's, it's really, you don't want to be called a dog, right? It's like, man, that's why, why, why you got to name me Caleb, right? But Caleb, he starts out, and he comes from Egypt. He's born into slavery. He's basically called a dog. And he's one of these people, one of these spies that they send into the land of Canaan to spy out the land and he has to return with what he sees. See, now, basically the Bible will say this, that he is a little bit different. He has a different spirit than everybody else that goes with him. The Bible actually says that. If you go read uh, in these chapters that there's a different spirit in Caleb. And so he just kind of, you know, you come across these people, sometimes they're, they just march to the beat of a different drum, Right. And he is that kind of person. He is, he is the kind of person who's like, you know what? I think we can do this. And we need to go right now. We need to go storm the gates of hell with a water pistol, right? That's just kind of the, the faith and the kind of the, the uh, I guess, uh, if, if uh, what the Jewish word would be, hoopspa, hoopspa, you know. Uh, I'm probably butchering that. But he's like, man, he's, he's got a lot of brass about him, right? He is, he is ready to take this. Uh, this march, he's ready to take on this challenge. He's ready to go out there and storm the gates of hell and storm the gates of the enemy. And not everybody else was seeing it the same way. This is something I want you to get, and this is what I wrote down. It says, fear causes you to only see your giants, but trust focuses you to see your God. See, they saw two different things. They saw two different things when it came to what they saw. The same group of people saw the same thing, but they came back with two different estimations. How is that possible? How is it possible that, that you look at the same thing and see it two different ways? When everybody else says, we can't do this, the land is big, the people are big, this challenge is big, we are not big, we're like grasshoppers, right? And, and it's interesting what they said at the end of, of the chapter. They said, we seem like grasshoppers in our eyes, and we seem like that in the eyes of the people of the land. How do they know what they seem like in the eyes of the people of the land? Did they ask them? 
They probably didn't go up and ask him. What they did is they jumped to a conclusion. How many times do we do that? We jump to a conclusion about what we think, but that may not be the case. And, and so they looked at themselves as being small, and they thought that everybody else looked at them as being small. But that's not Caleb, how Caleb looked at them. That's not Caleb, how Caleb looked at himself, and that is definitely not how Caleb looked at his God. He says, God has given us this land, and we can do this because God has given it to us. And so Caleb sees something different. Caleb has a trust in God, whereas the people, that all they see is giants. All they see are the problems. All they see are the obstacles. There's a doctor uh, by the name of Carol Dweck, and she is a doctor of psychology at Stanford University. And she wrote um, this, did this study and wrote this book about mindsets. And can you put that diagram up for me? There's a, the, the mindset diagram. <clears throat> This diagram kind of gives you uh, what she found in her study. She said these two studies, or the study found two things, that there's two mindsets. There's what she calls a fixed mindset, and there is a growth mindset. The fixed mindset are people who see things, and they see obstacles, and they say, you know what? This thing is set. It's, it's static. It's not moving. This is just what we've been given. This is what is, is always going to be. And so you know what? We can't, we, we're not going to get anything different. And they see the obstacle, and they just want to stop. This is the fixed mindset. She said a lot of people have a fixed mindset where it's just these are, the, you know, they get defensive. They take things personally. You know, this is something that if it's an obstacle, we just need to avoid this. We need to go another way. We need to go another route. But see, there's all, always another set of people, and, and it's the Caleb set of people. Caleb had a different mindset. He had the growth mindset. What Dr. Carol Dweck says is, is the other subset is this growth mindset of people who see obstacles it's not really obstacles they just see it as an opportunity they see it as an opportunity to to learn something new they see it as an opportunity to be challenged by something new they see it as an opportunity to to see how they can maybe fail you know a little bit but they'll learn something about themselves they'll learn something about the situation and eventually you know what they feel like they're going to conquer it uh, they they look at things a lot different and, and it's interesting, this is a, a modern study that is really giving us a picture of what we see in Numbers chapter 13. You see the same subsets of people. You have this group of guys who basically say, you know what, we have this fixed mindset. We are grasshoppers. And T.D. Jakes said it this way. T.D. Jakes says grasshoppers don't eat grapes, right? As there's grapes in the land. There's big grapes in the land. But if you think that you're a grasshopper, grasshoppers don't eat grapes. You'll never have the produce of the land. You'll never have the promise of the land. And so he says, if you always see yourself as small, if you always see yourself as little, if you always see yourself as this way, you have a fixed mindset. But Caleb says, that's not how I see it. And that's definitely not how I see my God. My God, it's just a, this is just an opportunity for God to do a miracle. Do you see obstacles to stop you? Or do you see an opportunity for God to do a miracle? What do you see? 
What do you see when you get challenged? What do you see when you hit a roadblock? Do you just see this as, mm -mm, it's just another opportunity for God to bring about his plan. It's just another opportunity for God to prove to me and for God to prove to everybody who he is. It's just an oppor another opportunity for God to be who he is, the God who overcomes obstacles, the God who helps me to be an overcomer myself. He is the God who has equipped me. He is the God who sees the potential in me. He is the God who calls that potential out of me. And so for Caleb, Caleb didn't see the obstacles the same way. Caleb saw an opportunity. He says, that land is ours. Actually, he says, I want my mountain. There's a mountain over there that, the, that belongs to me. I want my mountain. And see, they had evidence. God gets upset with them. So if you, you turn over a page, and we're going to go to Numbers chapter, uh, Numbers chapter 14, looking in verse 6, and this is what it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, were among those who spied out the land and tore their clothes. And it was just a way of saying, guys, this is a bad deal. This is not a, a, a good mindset for us. And they said to all the congregation, the people of Israel, the land which we passed through and spied out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, who he will bring he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. So part of the people saw themselves as grasshoppers, and they thought that the people in the land saw them as grasshoppers. What Caleb looked at, he said, uh-uh. Joshua looked at it and said, uh, that's bread for us. That's just going to be sustenance for us. That's, that's, that's what God has given for us. And he says, that's our bread, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. Then all the congregation said to stone them. Have, have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? It's like you make this bold stand. It's like and you just think you just give your speech. Yes, everybody's going to get behind me and nobody gets behind you. Actually, they say you're crazy. We should stone you, right? Or, or, or they, they may think you're stoned already because of the craziness that you're talking. The congregation all said, let's stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to the people of Israel. And this is what the Lord said. God showed up right before the people were ready to stone Caleb and Joshua. He saved them. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done among them. Mm, guys, I'm going to tell you, that's a dangerous place to be. If God's done something for you, and then when God wants to do something for you again, and we have trouble believing him, that is a dangerous spot to be in because we are on the other side of God. We're on the wrong side of God. He says, how long will these people not believe in me? In spite of all the signs and all the things that I have done among them, I will strike them with a pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. God's ready to be done with them. He's like, I'm done. Let's just kill them all. Right? What does Moses have to do? Moses has to intercede. Moses, God, don't do that. All right, that's going to look bad on you. That's, that's going to make the nations that are surrounding say, this is kind of God. So, so God relents from this. He doesn't do this. But it, it should show us that sometimes, you know what? We fail to remember what God has done in our past a lot of times when we come up against challenges. 
And it would do us well to recount, God, you've already been here. God, you've already done good for us. If God has given you his evidence, he is expecting your obedience. If God has already given you his evidence, he's expecting you to be obedient. He's expecting you to say, that's right, God, you brought us through this before. Let's go. Let's go do this. God, you've already been here. God, you've already equipped us. God, you've already said that we can have this. God, you've already said this is something you're going to do in my life. And so, God, if you've already been here and, God, you've already done, I am going to be obedient to your word. Caleb saw things differently. Caleb saw things differently than everybody else. Caleb saw that he wanted that mountain. He said, there's a mountain over there that I want. And you'll see it in Joshua, Joshua chapter 14 uh, and 15 that Caleb basically calls out. He says, I want that mountain over there, the hill country that I spied out. He says, that becomes, I want that. I want that to be mine. And you got to understand this, before you can own a mountain, you got to own a backbone. Before you can own God's promise, before you can walk into God's promise, you better have some fortitude about you because he may call you to walk into this challenge. And so Caleb see things differently, and I love this, though. I love this. As I, as I was doing more study about Caleb's name, there's actually some debate on how it translates. There's some debate on how it gets translated uh, in the Hebrew um, that, that it can mean not only dog, but it can also mean wholehearted, single-minded, focused, and determined. And I actually think that's what we see. We see a better picture of a determined person to say, God said we can have it, and I'm going to go get it. God said it's mine. I'm going to go over there and get it because God is equipping us. That's what we see. See, he may have started out a dog in Egypt, but God intends to bring him to, in the, to the promised land as a lion. God intends to bring him to the promised land as one to receive a promise from him. And so for us, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a grasshopper? Do you see yourself as one that's like, I, I've got obstacles and you know what? I just, we just, we can't do this. God intends for you to make that journey from being a dog to being determined. From being a grasshopper to being a lion that says, you've given it to me. God, you said that I could have this. I'm going to walk into your promises. Something that you have to understand is this. Somebody can come play. Don't expect God to give you a long-range blessing. He, don't, expect, don't expect God to give long-range blessings to those with short-term commitments. That's, that's not what God is looking to operate in. He's not looking for those who are wishy-washy. He's not looking for those who are saying, well, I'm in when it's convenient and I'm out when it's not. Have you ever been there? I've been there. God, well, this is, this is a stand you're calling me to take and it's not real convenient. This is going to look bad on me. God, nobody's behind me. Nobody's with me. It's okay. Make the stand. I'm with you. It's okay. You think differently. You don't have to see it as an obstacle. You can see it as an opportunity for me to move in your life. You don't have to see it the way everybody else sees it. Actually, I want you to see it differently. I want you to see the promise. I want you to see me in this I don't want you to see the giants. I want you to see trust in God. I don't want you to see the obstacles. I want you to see the promise that I'm calling you to step into. And if I'm calling you into that, I'm calling you into a long-range plan. See, what you've got to understand is this, and you've got to go read the rest of the story in Joshua chapter 14 and 15. 
And I'm not going to read it for you because for the sake of time. But in Joshua 14 and 15, Caleb, he waits 45 years because those other 10 said, we can't do this. We're grasshoppers. You know what they had to do? They had to wander in the wilderness another 40 years. They wandered in the wilderness another 40 years, and a whole generation had to die off. You know who didn't die? Caleb. He was 40 years old when he spied out the land the first time. And 45 years later, at 85, go read it in Joshua 14 and 15. At 85 years old, he stands there and he says, Joshua, that's my mountain over there. Give me my mountain. And he was just, he was just like, he was just like, take the chain off. Let me go. And Joshua released him. He said, go, man. That's your mountain. Go get it. You can have it. And what you'll see is in Joshua chapter 15, it says that Caleb, at 85 years old, goes in and conquers Hebron, conquers that area, conquers Debir, conquers all the, and, and, and Joshua gave him the hill land. Joshua gave him his mountain. He says, man, if you can get it, if you can take it, you can have it. And at 85 years old, him and his, his crew, they step in. And they take the promise of God. And you know what? He had to wait 45 years for that. 45 years. Some of you guys, you say, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Where are you at, God? I said, don't jump out the boat. Come on. He says, don't get out the truck. Keep walking. Come on. Don't stop. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Come on. It's, it's just across the river. Don't stop. See, too many of us, we want to stop before we get to our promise. Too many of us, we want to stop because there's obstacles and there's challenges and the journey is long. But I'm imploring you to be a Caleb. I'm imploring you not to give up on what God has, has promised to give you. Not to give up and trusting in the Father's hand. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter if you started out in Egypt as a dog. He intends for you to wind up in the promised land as a lion, owning a mountain, and walking around that mountain and saying, hey, it's mine. It's mine. Because God has given it to you. He said you can have it. So the unlikely hero that starts out as a slave called a dog ends up owning a mountain in the promised land. Whatever unlikely story you have in your life, whatever unlikely starting that you have, and maybe you say, I've come from humble beginnings. I've come from nothing. But you know what? I believe that God is going to make something out of this nothing because that's just what God does. He calls creation into existence just by speaking his word. And so what can he do in your life? All he needs for you is to trust him and say, all right, God, I'm trusting. You said I could have it. You said that I could be it. You said, God, for my life is going to be fruitful. My life will be a promise. My life will be a blessing. God, I am trusting you. I am trusting you. And I may not see it next year. I may not see it in 10 years. I may have to wait 45 years. But, God, 45 years I'm going to trust you because I believe you well, give us a word that is sure. God doesn't give long-range blessings to those with short-term commitments. 
be in it for the long haul. He wants you to own a mountain. He wants you to own a promise. They're going to come and sing, and I want you to sing. You've been listening to New Life Church in Richmond Hill, Georgia. For more information regarding New Life, please visit our website at newliferh.com.